Inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. If you found this podcast valuable and are looking for an easy way to support us, you can help us out by claiming your free audiobook and one-month free trial at audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. That's audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. Never before in the history of this show have we had to split an interview up into two episodes, but we're going to break history and set history today. We actually have to break this episode into three episodes as I was trying to export part one. Uh, it was too long to even export, so part one is going to be broken up into two parts, and then the original part two is actually going to be part three. So you're going to love it. Enjoy the interview with Jared Miller. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Doing Ministry Well. This is Jim Baker. We are in Clarksville today, and I am joined by Jared Miller. Jared, thanks so much for being on the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's been fun to hang out uh, this past day and yesterday as well. I uh, invited you to come down from Louisville and uh, speak in our Red School in Russellville, Kentucky, and you helped uh, end that up for us, wrap it up for us, speaking on kingdom evangelism, and honestly, it was one of the best teachings I've heard on evangelism, totally non-threatening and i really appreciate that so yeah it's been cool been, it's just been really been refreshing to hang out with you as well um it's it's interesting uh jared is one of my good friends brother-in-law and uh i've actually run into this guy in many states we've hung out uh when i first introduced my wife to mark you were there and we met up in nashville this is before we were living near nashville so that's pretty funny and then we ended up at a conference at the same time in Baltimore, and we hung out at a Chipotle there. And then yep. I was living in Indiana, and you were going through camping, or you rented a cabin in Indiana, and we ended up hanging up there. So pretty pretty funny that our, our lives have just been so intertwined and interconnected. It's cool. It's an interstate relationship. There you go. We should try to hit all 50. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun but yeah no when i think of you i really just appreciate your lifestyle and your heart for jesus and the kingdom and when i think about people that are really walking it out you're one of those people and so i'm excited to interview you and kind of hear what you're doing even more and let our listeners hear about it as well so jared tell me uh how long have you been in ministry full-time serving people loving jesus 13 years 13 years that's awesome and just tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now in ministry pretty much um we came up with this new idea called loving our neighbors okay yeah and um i think we're the first people to ever come up with that plan there you go action there you go um i don't know maybe i've heard that somewhere before but i that's pretty much what we're doing is uh loving jesus making babies loving our neighbors there you go not making babies with your neighbors. Though. That's right. All right. That's right. Just, Just me and my clear. wife. Let's let's keep that real clear. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, man, before we even before we even <laughs> dig into this, let's talk a little bit about evangelism and let's just kind of review what we talked about last night. This is kind of unplanned, but I loved your teaching last night. So can you just kind of dig into what is evangelism? Boy, oh boy. Um, well, if it just to boil it down, um, maybe just to unload the, a six shooter on that one. Uh, I like I like defining evangelism um, several different ways. One of my favorites is uh, taking the light of the gospel where it could not 
or had not gone before. Hmm. So some places where the uh, where maybe there is spiritual resistance to light for whatever reason, but people that can really um, find have the wisdom and the and the right boldness and love to get the light of the gospel in where it couldn't go, hmm. whether that's an individual's heart or or a territory like a geographical area perhaps, or a, or an organization or a certain realm of influence in our culture, you know, just different different ways you can apply that, but it's somewhere that the light just seemingly could not go. Really, there truly there is no place the light can't go, but the idea of maybe where there's nobody else had been able to get it there yet. Hmm. And then also just places where it just had not gone before. Again, it could be an individual's heart, somebody that just, that nobody has shared light and love with before for whatever reason. Or maybe a, maybe a country or a people group on the planet that has never been well loved by anyone. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of a go-to definition of the work mm-hmm. of evangelism for me. Obviously it's the, uh, it's the, connecting people to the good news um, I really see it as a connecting um, thing we connect people to their to the mission of God it's the introduction it's mm. the door to the kingdom of the God of God is evangelism so mm. that point when somebody maybe has their first uh, conscious conversation with Jesus is the are the brilliant moments of of, of an evangelist's work mm. is when you see somebody interacting with Jesus one-on-one for the first time in their life it's it's really fun or maybe the first time in a long time so connecting connecting people to Jesus but then also um, connecting people to the body of Christ is mm-hmm. actually the work of an evangelist is uh, saying hey you've you have a place here we can why don't you come here and and be part um, that's the, that's evangelism to me nice I think that word evangelism is a pretty uh, packed word. You know, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of things that immediately pop into your mind. What do you, what do you think are some of the things that make people hesitate when it comes to evangelism? Sure, probably when uh, in the Christian in the American Christian circles, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, um, Protestant mostly. Um, Christian circles in America, uh, when you say evangelism, I assume what comes to people's mind is knocking on doors, passing out tracts, debating or arguing. We like to call it debating, but really arguing with people. <laughs> and and then this certain tonality of just like um, hardness, hmm. you know? And so there's a lot of... Uh, that doesn't sound fun hmm. at all to me. There's there's a time and place to knock on doors. There's a time and place for tracks. There's a time and place for debating. But if those are the first things that come to our mind, um, we're probably missing the, the foundational kind of the uh, central core of what Jesus thinks of hmm. when he said evangelism because... Yeah, I don't, I don't see the, the debating and I don't see the... You know, that's not the, the, those aren't the core parts of it. So I think there's a lot there that we've probably missed, or maybe that we just haven't allowed to evolve in our culture, like mm-hmm. the, uh, the door knocking. Um, you know, people used to buy their vacuum cleaners from door to door salesmen. So right. there was a time and place when doing business and interacting with people door to door was, was normal. Well, that time has passed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so somebody knocking on your door now is a little creepy, whether they're selling vacuums or passing out tracks. 
about anything. Um, and so uh, Jesus doesn't really come across to me as a creeper. And uh, so we need to catch up with him. You hear that? Jesus is not a creeper. That's good. Jerry Miller. <laughs> Write that down on a bumper sticker. Yeah. That's good. Stick that on your mom's car. There you go. <laughs> you mentioned uh, evangelism as simply connecting people with Jesus and the body and just kind of the excitement of having someone have their first conversation with Jesus. Is there a story that you can think of that really highlights that in your neighborhood where you've seen this happen? Yeah, there was a... Um... There was a, a, a boy named AJ that lived on our street. Um, when I first met AJ, he was probably nine. He's, uh, he's 19 now, 20 maybe. And I, I evangelized AJ. I connected AJ with two things. I evangelized him um, and connected him with kiwis. He ate his first kiwi fruit at my house. He had never eaten a kiwi, and he was blown away <laughs> when he ate his first kiwi. But then also on our porch um, outside, um, probably on a different day, I don't think he was still eating the kiwi, but we uh, asked AJ if we could pray, and uh, he said, sure. And so I prayed and asked God to just come on and touch AJ and just somehow to show AJ that God was here in the yeah. conversation. And... Uh, and AJ at the time was probably 11 or 12 years old. And I remember he was holding his hands out, and there were a couple other boys uh, from our neighborhood there on the porch. And, and whoa, when we prayed, AJ and, and the other boys there too, I just, um, there's another part of the story that makes me just highlight AJ here. But he was, they all just were like, whoa, they just, they, nobody was touching them except the Holy Spirit. Um, and they just started feeling something mm. in their bodies and their minds where they started were like, oh, this is crazy. I've never felt this before. And, and then I said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus is here, wants to talk to you. And, and, they, and so they, out of that experience of some physical sense of this spiritual reality, they, uh, they prayed and talked to Jesus in a real conversational way. I assume for the first time mm. in their life. Several years later, AJ came back, and we had not seen him for a while. And um, he had gone through puberty, and I barely recognized him. And he came and knocked on our door. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, AJ, you grew up! You know, he grew a foot, all that stuff." And he introduced us, um, my wife Brianne and I, to a friend that was with him, and said, "This is Jared and Brianne. They introduced me to kiwis and to Jesus." Wow. And he remembered both of those things, you know, that, that was just so amazing. And, and so really that, that, that's just a great picture to me that like the same way we introduced AJ to Jesus, we introduced him to Kiwis, hmm. you know, and it was basically the same thing. It was like, what? You've never had a Kiwi? Like, dude, you've got a, like Kiwis are normal to us. Right. He was like, he, that was the weirdest thing in the world, this little green fruit with brown hairy fuzz on the outside of it you know and i'm like yeah man eat it and he loved it and it was the same or similar to jesus you know it's like what you know like dude yeah let's talk to jesus so it's awesome. pretty cool and that's how he that's how he remembers us that is awesome kiwis and jesus um so do you eat the skin of a kiwi oh yeah all right yeah bite it just like an apple and don't peel go. that thing man there you go i know there are there's some deep controversies over if you're supposed to eat the skin or not or something like that mm. so I haven't had a kiwi in forever. I might have to go pick one up today. That's right. Jesus loves kiwis. There you go. There you go. Um, 
So you mentioned uh, you have a wife, mm-hmm. and uh, you also said you've made some babies. So yep. tell she me and I about. have there together. Go. Good, good clarification. Yeah, we've been married uh, ten years, Brianne and I now, uh, and we have six kids. The oldest is eight. We have a son named Judah, who's eight years old, and then we have five girls. After him, Glory, who is seven, Jubilee, who is six, Lillian, who is four, Iris, that is two years old. And Ruby Dawn, who is eight months old. That's awesome. So our, our house is full of life, like Jesus said it would be. There you go. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So you also mentioned uh, loving your neighbors as your ministry. Um, tell me a little bit about your neighborhood. Yeah, we live in a uh, historic area of Louisville called Portland. So we call it a neighborhood. Um, it's really a section of our city. It's a square mile. It's a mile wide and a mile tall. and about 10,000 people live there and it's a uh, like I said a, a neighborhood with rich history at the current time and for the past 50 years or so it's uh, it's declined into poverty um, where a lot of the affluence moved out just out of the city centers over the past 50 years um, since we've moved there in 2006 uh, God also moved in a lot of other folks at the same time into our neighborhood and um, that we were unaware of, um, but God just sovereignly positioning people there and also stirring up um, things in the neighborhood. Things have been there for a long time, some good spiritual things. And so we've really seen a, uh, a resurgence of life and a revitalization, spirit, soul, and body in our neighborhood. The soul of our neighborhood, the even the houses in our neighborhood, the the spiritual atmosphere in our neighborhood, all of those things have have just been changing dramatically from from what we experienced when we first moved in, really unknowing of the atmosphere, unknowing of the culture, but from what we first were aware of when we moved in to now, it's incredible what God's what God's doing mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. So um it's really dynamic. It's a it's a diverse community. the The population there, the uh, the ethnic um, ratio, it pretty much matches the population of Louisville, which mm-hmm. I like. Which is about sixty percent white, forty percent black, and then a small percentage of other ethnicities. But I like that the our neighborhood um, really parallels the actual population of Louisville. So in that way, it's one of the few areas of the city anywhere whether east end or north or whatever that has a, a good healthy mix of the ethnicities represented in our city and uh there's a lot of cool a lot of cool stuff in our neighborhood that's awesome so you said you moved in 10 years ago how did was this just i'm gonna buy a house here or was this i'm gonna buy a house here with the intention of i'm gonna reach my neighborhood yeah, it was actually we were going to move to Baltimore, Maryland, where we met up with you uh, several years ago, unrelated, I, I assume. But we were going to move to Baltimore, Maryland, and the year we got married, 2006. And six weeks before our wedding, we uh, found out that a job I was going to go to Baltimore and have was no longer available. Hmm. And I didn't want to move to Baltimore, Maryland without a job when I was 20 years old and about to get married. And I didn't think that God was telling me I had to. So that equaled, we decided we would stay in Louisville for a while and figure out what to do. We didn't really know. And so we were offered by the uh, church that we were part of at the time, a suburban church. Uh, They offered, the pastor there that I'd known my whole life offered us to uh, 
um, if we wanted to move into the apartment, he called it above this church building on 29th Street in Portland that I was familiar with. I'd, we'd been doing some outreach events and things there, but he said, uh, I know a place where you guys could stay real cheap if you wanted. And I knew he was talking about these old Sunday school classrooms that we had talked about turning into apartment, but in reality, they were old Sunday school classrooms above a church building in the West End of Louisville. And uh, one week later, we said, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. And so that was the full extent. I mean, a little bit of prayer in there, but we really felt like this is this is a good opportunity. I think this is the Lord um, giving us this opportunity. So we moved into Portland five, you know, four and a half weeks later on our wedding night. We moved into the church building at 29th and Slevin. And, um, and then really it's just been a, uh, a wild following from there, just watching didn't know what we were getting into. There was no, there was no ministry action plan. We're not, right. we're not real strong on the planning end of things. My wife and I, we're strong in a lot of things, but dictating the path ahead of time is not something we do. And that's certainly not what we did then. Hmm. Um, you mentioned moving to Baltimore. It is so interesting how our lives are intertwined because uh, Pastor Jay Brooks was your youth pastor and I moved back to, I grew up in Columbia, Maryland, and then I, um, when I moved back after living in Indiana for a little bit, I attended Jay's church, Columbia yep. Foursquare, so that's that's super funny. And you mentioned that Jay had a, a huge impact on your life as a, as a teen. Yeah. Um, just talk about that a little bit. Let's honor Jay. Yeah, awesome. That's great. Jay and Lynn Brooks are really um, in the top three or four um people that my wife and I both would just, um, we just, they're in our faith hall of fame for mm. sure in our life. Uh, they're, they're example of, of marriage and dedication to helping at the time when we were youth, helping youth to, uh, learn uh, Jesus and his mm. ways and to, to grow up more healthy than we would have without their input. Uh, their family life is just a, an incredible, example to us really set a standard help set a standard for my wife and I of what um, what normal would be from the beginning hmm. and really gave us uh, was a huge part of giving us a foundation that we've we've built on to experience the the joys of, of married life and also just what it means to be a family that loves Jesus and serves the king walks in the kingdom together a lot of influence from Jay more than I can really that I'm conscious of I'm sure but mm. um but I'm conscious of a lot of it you That's know awesome. he really just was a a great intentional influence in our life through our whole high school hmm. all of our high school years and um that's where I met Brianne. My wife was in the context of his youth group there at the church in Louisville he was at before he moved back to to Columbia the Maryland, the Baltimore area so I wouldn't I wouldn't be married to who I'm married to now if it wasn't for hmm. Jay and Lynn. You know, there's just it's those types of just critical influences in your life that there's there's no way to gauge the the difference in your life had it had it gone a different way. Hmm. And uh Jay, I remember sitting with him actually at a time when um when Brienne and I had had um, when I had broken up out of with Brienne, I told Brienne that I thought God was taking me on a different path, and obviously that was before I knew how to really recognize God's voice in my life, <laughs> because that oh man, I ended up in in hell really trying to avoid Brienne, and uh, I remember sitting with Jay Brooks in a coffee shop, and I was really telling him, Jay, I'm having a hard time. I don't know what to do, 
And I remember Jay looked at me and he said, uh, Jared, I wouldn't let her get away. Hmm. And boy, oh boy, I mean, just that, just that kind of leadership, that kind of influence at the right time, at the right place in somebody's life. You know, you just can't. And that really, that was the, that was the tipping point for me. I'm like, you're right, Jay. Hmm. I'm going to go get her back. You know, and so just, you know, just prime examples of, of influence, critical influence is just, it's awesome. I'm really grateful for that. That's so good. That's so good. Um, yeah, when, I, when I'm looking out at our kind of circle of, of peers and uh, circle of friends and, and even acquaintances, um, I, I, I said in the beginning of the interview that I really look to you and your lifestyle of lifestyle evangelism. You know, we're, we're doing kingdom stuff. We're doing it. But I'm also so interested that you have no formal training. You didn't go to Bible college. You didn't do. You didn't even do YWAM or anything like that. Talk to me about how you made the switch to, you know, growing up, loving Jesus, going to church, and then all of a sudden just doing the stuff. Sure. Yeah. It's um, try to give you the the highlight reel on that to keep it brief because it's at this point it's 30 years of of history. So. <laughs> um, raised in a in a Christian home which again that's another like Jay and Lynn Brooks just growing up in a home where mom and dad said family life with Christian values is normal they didn't just say it but they really showed us just a great version Hmm. of what Christian family is it was it was the same behind the closed doors as it was out in public so it wasn't hypocritical or anything Hmm. it was just legit solid way better family experience than just about anybody I know mm. you know it wasn't perfect and I'm I'm trying to do better now than even what they did but I look around and I'm like wow that was compared to what my parents grew up with and what most of my peers grew up with I had a great just a great experience in life and so uh, my whole life because of that um, or out of that somehow my whole life I I can't remember a time I didn't have a conversational relationship with God. Hmm. Just my just my entire life I just remember conversating two ways with with God, hmm. you know, and um and that was that's normal. That's normal to me and I realize that that's just a uh that's not normal to a lot of folks, you know. That's not how a lot of people start off in life. So so starting from there, I, even even as I went into um youth years so I was I was I I gave my I dedicated my life to God and kind of signed on the dotted line when I was eight years old or so um, after watching a, a Gospelville v, VHS <laughs> tape um, Willie George uh, old Christian Western kids video and they would always do prayers of salvation do you want to follow Jesus and uh, I was in my closet in my bedroom after that and prayed and said Jesus I want to you know just a kid's prayer to That's God awesome. saying I want to and um and then I remember I was baptized in water uh some point around the same time uh maybe I was I don't know I don't remember the age but young you know six seven eight years old something and came out of the water and was praying in tongues and didn't even know what that was you know and just like when you're a kid you like there was no there was no theological statement behind all that but I was I was talking to God I told him I wanted to follow him and uh, got baptized in water and was praying in tongues and didn't even think about it you know it's just I'm just a little kid growing up you know and um when I hit my youth years even even in times when I was angry for no reason and I remember one night 
cussing God. And just, I don't know, I just felt really angry and was like discontented about everything in life for no logical reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, there was nothing wrong happened in my life, you know, that, that I had any reason or cause to be mad at the world. But maybe just everybody needs their turn at being mad at the world or something. I remember I was cussing God. And even in those times, he was talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was just always there. And so... Um, going through high school, living two feet, one foot in the world, you know, just doing my own life, being my own God, and uh, the other foot playing church and like doing worship stuff and singing and singing all the songs and playing church life. And even in that time of not knowing who I was or, you know, playing, just putting on faces for everybody, God was still there just talking to me, you know, and, and so that, that faithfulness of God, of Him being there, is the is the number one influence in my life. Is His faithfulness to me that He's just He's just been there the whole time, and um, and so um, kind of the key points that have that are milestone markers for me is is um, when I went to Mexico with Jay Brooks when I was fourteen, and that's where I told God that I wasn't gonna. Um, I wasn't going to live two lives anymore. Um, I was just going to live one life, and that was going to be the Jesus life. And um, it took me a couple of years to settle that out, but that's where I really firmly decided as an individual that I was just going to live one Jesus life on his path and let him decide my ways. And then when I was 17, went to Brazil with Randy Clark, um, Global Awakening Missions, and um, saw God do awesome miracles in Brazil that I'd, I'd seen glimpses of. I had some miraculous uh, experiences firsthand and also observed in my life just the Christian circles I was part of but it was nothing to the extent that I saw God um, I saw just undeniable miracles happen right in front of my face Mm -hmm. you know touching people as they get hearing back when they haven't heard and um, praying for an 11 year old kid who was blind in one eye and 90% deaf in both ears and was completely socially outcast, was sitting in the nursery room, in the baby nursery room of the church service because there was no other place for this kid to hang out. There was no reason for him to be in the church service. Church was boring that day, that meeting we were in in Brazil. They let some kid preach, and we were falling asleep. (laughs) And so some of us went back to the nursery, and we find this 11-year-old kid in there with his caretaker and then the, the babies that were in the nursery. And this kid was blind in his left eye and had these big hearing aids in his ears. And we we prayed for him. And then during the prayer, he 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 told us that he wanted to know Jesus, mm. that he wanted to follow Jesus. And as soon as he said that, immediately healing started happening in his body. He took his hearing aids out, and he could hear our whispers from across the room. Wow. We took, we covered up his his good eye, his previously only good eye, and uh, and he could see my me holding up numbers wow. um, across the room. You know, hearing him say un, dos, tres, dos, cuatro, un. You know, as I'm yeah. holding up fingers across the room, man, like, and that on my like on my little handheld video camera I had with me, like watching that happen, <laughs> dude. That 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 was two weeks in Brazil that just absolutely changed my life. Set uh, really set me on fire for how I would view the 
normal Christian experience, mm. like really took it up a notch for me coming back to America. It wasn't just a, a tourist experience. It was like, no, this, this impacts the way I look at my life. Mm. You know, people getting healed, people getting, um, demons cast out of them people that were really wrecked with some some evil you know cult voodoo witchcraft stuff going on in brazil and um and seeing that happen and that really being part of the message of salvation Hmm. just took just took things up a whole new level for me and so that's that's really when i say i started um full-time ministry was coming back from that trip at Hmm. 17 um and so that that began the journey here stateside for me back home to learn how to how to play that out how to take what i've been given and uh and follow jesus and and be part of his movement in the earth Hmm. you know and so now we see people get healed and delivered and saved here but god's been doing that all along it's not like something new it's just i i'm excited that i i decided to be part of it too yeah, you know so that's awesome i i really want to kind of key in on this whole life change right because there's people that do go through tons of training there's people that go through seminary right and and they don't come out the other end dedicated to a lifestyle of my neighborhood i'm going to take ownership of it and we're going to see the kingdom come right where i live you know sure so what do you feel like was that life-changing moment? I mean, you mentioned this trip that you went on, you, you some of the trips you went on, but there was other people that went on those trips that mm-hmm. maybe aren't continuing to say, Jesus, I want to follow you in every second. So what, sure. what is that life-changing change moment mm-hmm. that has really propelled you into a lifestyle of ministry? Mm-hmm. Well, again, number one influence, the faithfulness of God, mm-hmm. that all the way he was just there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's because I'm anything special, any more than somebody else is just as special. You know, I think we are, I am special. My mom always told me that growing up and I rode the short bus <laughs> to homeschool. So I am special. I realize that. But, um, but God is just there. And so his faithfulness to me um, and to us and really somehow it just a, a divine protection. I've, one thing that comes to mind pretty quickly is not getting entangled with uh, false religion, hmm. like forms of godliness that deny the power. I, I just see specific times along the journey where I could have, I could have bought in and put my faith and hope in a system that wasn't the person of Jesus. Hmm. You know, and I think that's where. And I and I have slipped up in that way before, um, but I see that's a, a major factor in staying on the on a path of of a life of true godliness, or you know the the best version I've been able to obtain so far is uh, is not looking to systems to provide the answers for us or to provide the direction and the purpose for our life. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow God has kept us in freedom. You know, and so we followed him on paths of freedom, and we haven't gone down paths that um, weren't peaceful. Hmm. He leads us with peace, and so that's just uh, honestly the 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 pathways of peace, and the voice behind us saying, "This is the way. Walk ye in it." Like it, um, Prophet Isaiah said, "You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way.'" Um, Brianna and I together, staying unified, really having a um, uh, a common heart 
where we our relationship is really good, really strong. Another thing I'm super grateful for. We we stay in unity pretty pretty easily because we like each other a lot. And um, anyways, God's just protected us to where it's been Him that we're following, and so where our lives haven't always been super active. There's been there's been you know in the past 10, 12 years. There's been probably three of those years that I could look at at least where like for a whole year, I wasn't super active or I don't measure up and look at it and say, wow, that was a really active year in ministry. You know, like we were really doing a lot of stuff. You know, there were some years in there where we didn't do a lot of stuff, but there was a freedom that we, that we guarded in that. It's like, Hey, if we get attached where it's like where we have to do a lot of stuff, then there's something off here, mm-hmm. you know. So there's this ebb and flow in our life and, and and embracing that and somehow knowing that in the ebb times, in those slow times, that that doesn't mean that God, that we're off the path or something. God is still leading us. Mm-hmm. Um, so really haven't. And not God, you know, if God wanted me to go to seminary or or, or training school or something, then like I would I would go, you know. And um, I feel like just in my walk, He protected me from that because maybe I would have I would have looked for those systems to give me the path, hmm. and uh, that might have that might have messed me up. Hmm. And so the school we're all in, whether we're in seminary or or not, or college, whatever our training ground is, really the school we all want to be enrolled in is the school of the Holy Spirit. Because hmm. in the middle of it all, whatever our life story is, He's the one giving the lessons that are really giving us life, you know? And so um, that school, that school um, I've been in for, for 30 years, hmm. you know? That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned just hearing God's voice and how it's kind of always been natural to you, just conversational, two-way conversations. And I'm glad you mentioned that that isn't normal for everyone. You know, that's not everyone's normative experience. Um, did your parents model hearing the voice of God, or, or what has that process been like for you? Hmm. That's a good question. Honestly, I haven't reflected back to, to think how far back I can find other examples. Like, where did I, where did I first learn that again it was it was normal before i was conscious or analyzing it so that'd be that'd be something to reflect back on um certainly that was um the influence of god somehow i i recognized that in my parents life that somehow they were getting direction and some sort of input from the lord i don't know if they ever explained to me the process of how they received that I've probably put together the the puzzle of how I understand that stuff to work as I've as I've gone through life and maybe people have asked me questions or I've just done my own self inventory to say oh, what you know what's going on here because I, I remember that even even though conversational relationship with God has has been normal like I said or been there my whole life there was also a marked time um, after coming back from Brazil or somewhere around that same time, I was 17 or 18 years old, where I remember um, really having a realization moment where I, I realized, I thought, that there's probably nothing more important to me or more valuable 
than being able to hear God accurately mm. and then being left with the the responsibility of what I'm going to do with it. How do I respond to that becomes the next question, but I can't even begin to think I'm responding to God well unless I am confident that I'm receiving whatever whatever information he's trying to get to me hmm. properly and accurately. And that's that's where I would summarize Jesus' perfection. Like if Jesus showed us perfection, other people might have other ways of phrasing it, but the way I see perfection demonstrated is Jesus hearing everything that God said to him perfectly hmm. and responding to it perfectly. Hmm. So it's a hearing and response lifestyle. Um, and that's what relationships are made up of. And so I remember in 17, 18 years old, um, just determining and telling God, God, I want to learn and be confident that I'm hearing your voice. And so any, any impulse that I think is God, the best way I know to test it is to go with whatever that impulse is. And at the time, I felt like that was the best way to find out if I was hearing correctly or not, was mm. to be willing to be wrong and, and screw it up. Maybe mm. maybe I'm going crazy. You know, maybe I'm just having weird thoughts in my head and I'm not actually hearing God's voice. <laughs> maybe it's um, something totally different. Maybe my hormones are off or something, you know. And uh, so I started just, and in that time in my life, it was, a, um, it was the right time for me to say, hey, it, God, I want to hear your voice. You speak to me. I'll do whatever I think you're telling me to do. You correct me when I'm wrong. I want to know your voice, hmm. and uh, and that that was the learning curve for me. So I did a lot of silly things hmm. right then, and and in that process, gained a confidence in God's voice um, that I still have to refresh. You know, if we don't, there's so much noise in the different realms, in the spirit, soul, and physical realms in our culture that we have to kind of constantly be tuning the dial and sometimes trying to open up other channels. Um, careful with the word channels. I don't mean like spiritual channeling stuff that I'm talking about, like radio signals, like mm. the ways that God speaks to us, really listening, um, making sure that we're constantly tuning in to, um, to his signal. Hmm. That's good. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with Jared Miller. He's going to Tell us a little bit about what his day-to-day -day looks like in ministry in his neighborhood, and then he's going to share a story of failing hearing the voice of God, since you mentioned <laughs> that you did some silly stuff. I'd love to hear that, and I think our listeners will too, so we'll be right back. If you haven't checked out the new DoingMinistryWell.com website, check it out. We chose Swissco to do our overhaul and are so happy with the results. Swissco makes ministry websites beautiful and hassle-free. Schedule a free consultation today at Swissco.us. Hi, this is Brian Ensminger. If you enjoyed doing ministry well, we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out the Engaging Missions show, where we deliver God's stories to your earbuds. You can find us at engagingmissions.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on who we should interview next, contact us at doingministrywell.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at jimjessbaker.com. That's jim, Jess as in Jessica, baker.com. 